Mmm, lip smacking good. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Lips Smacking Good. What well, the motto of this show is: If your lips ain't smacking, it ain't good. Hey, so you have me, and you all know a hundred percent more right. <laughs> I'm here. I'm now, in the I house. mean, I mean, he gonna let y'all know he here. Apparently, I mean, ready to get into some smacking. Let's let's do it. And we got some. And we got some feed smack. I forgot about that. Ooh, we got some feed smack. That's a good thing. But before we get into the feed smack, we're going to talk about, we're going to cover a few things. We're going to do spicy news. We're going to do middle of the week. I got an interview this week. I had an interview this week with Nicole Taylor. She was so much fun. She's done a lot of stuff. She has a cookbook, Up South Cook. And we talked about her traveling. She has a podcast called the Hot Grease Podcast. She's a writer. Uh, her, her book is going to be featured. Uh, some of her recipes are going to be featured in The Last OG. And we talked about her traveling. She's a new mother. So we talked about a new mother and how food affects you, your breastfeeding and things like that. She was a lot of fun. Go check her out. Everything she does on social media. She's at Food Culturist. And her website is www.foodculturist.com. And that has all her information. All her notes will be added to uh, the episode. So for those of you who want to go check her out, it was a lot of fun. And I hope everybody loved the interview. She was fun to interview. Oh, cool. What was your favorite part of the interview? I think the part about breastfeeding. Because I've never had a child. But she was talking about... Do you have had your breasts up? Yeah, yeah, and I have had my breasts up. They don't produce milk, though, but I've had, had my breasts up. Yet. Yeah, right. Let's not give up. <laughs> shop closed. <laughs> At least my dairy shop is closed. <laughs> but it was fun because you're talking about certain foods that you need to eat to help produce breast milk. And the difficulty it is to breastfeed and uh, how, you know, she perceived breastfeeding one way and then once you're the one actually doing it and, and the time and stuff behind it she, you know you understand why people choose to and sometimes choose not to and it was just uh that was very educational so for those of you that are new mothers or thinking about being mothers you know she gives good tips about what certain foods to, to eat to help uh produce uh breast milk cool well um i for one can't wait to get into this um so we're gonna start with uh i think you said we're gonna start with uh spicy Spicy news spicy news time all right let's see what's in the spicy news all right um so pizza hut um tried to do something they're doing something for super bowl sunday okay okay the pizza chain has added the beer delivery option to nearly 300 restaurants across florida iowa nebraska north carolina ohio and more locations across california arizona by mid-january 
um uh nicholas burquire on the burquire uh chief customer and operations officer of pizza Hut says beer delivery is a game changing level that will continue to put in order to deliver oven hot pizzas with ice cold beer to customers watching and celebrating their favorite games this is gonna be a lot more work for those delivery drivers keeping with one thing hot and one thing cold that but is fucking genius mm-hmm. like a lot of times even me and you realize this a lot of times when we go out to eat pizza what do people eat pizza and beer they go right. to the bars it's pizza and beer or you know italian places uh uh they do they do more wine but you know if you go to bars you might have you know different your lasagna whatever but you know you know none of those people order beers particularly if it's bar oriented i think this is smart and it's one of those things where everybody's doing home delivery service so it's like they're actually fighting against the amazons and Mm -hmm. all these other places and although i don't think those places deliver alcohol yeah they do amazon does i mean but you can't get a a six-pack of beer delivered to your house can you i don't know i know you get wine okay yeah you get wine through amazon and it's not everywhere Mm -hmm. they limit like it's not every state that does yeah because it's like it's laws and stuff about shipping wine Mm -hmm. through the mail and all that stuff but and i know we've gotten wine in the mail but i didn't know you could like like this is essentially the same day delivery or the one hour delivery option amazon will have right so i don't know if you can do that yet so they might even be ahead of amazon correct uh and you know like you say it probably won't be in every state because it probably varies uh but you know it's one of those things where you can sell beer there's probably no law that says i can't ship a beer two miles down the road you know it's we're not delivering it through the mail you know so i'm pretty sure that they'll probably be able to get around you know a lot of the the um legal things that people who ship beer in the mail don't have to deal with you know weight and all that type of stuff but yeah i do agree it's going to be more on the drivers um so now you got to can basically carry a cooler with you as a driver right and your pizzas and you gotta remember which beers go to which order right it seems like it's gonna be a lot more work but it could push them ahead in the delivery game especially with papa john's dealing with the bad pr and um uh you know all the other stuff and it's one of those things too where i'm truth be told because of like your grub hubs and all these other places people are actually like what not now i like you know basic pizza on sometimes some occasions but you have some people that are very snobbish and they go well no i don't have to order papa john's and domino's and pizza hut before you had to because they were the only place to deliver but now with your grill pubs and all that stuff you can actually order some of your favorite pizzas to your house so now they're giving those people competition because guess what you can't get alcohol with it with it and i think mm-hmm. the thing is they're going to see a jump in profit just because they add an alcohol um you know it's going to cost them more money because now all these places got to get alcohol licenses and all that type of stuff uh you know probably for the right to sell in the stores mm-hmm. but that is a drop in a bucket compared to their alcohol sales um if you happen to be in one of the states with beer delivery which we are in one of the states mm-hmm. i don't know if we can order it yet. all right you can choose from two packs and six packs that makes sense and you know if it's just one person you go oh, i take two or if it's right. two people you get one i get one because everybody ain't gonna drink a six pack uh the beers that they have blue moon bud light budweiser bush light coors light corona extra kilt lifter michelob ultra miller light miller high life light miller high life shock top and stella Artois. so they got a pretty good selection, selection of like everyday i mean big name brands but except for kilt lifter i don't know anything about that but Mm-mm. some pretty pretty big names yeah and they're all not not your basic beers you know because the blue moon that's kind of outside of the box you know 
uh but yeah it's going to be interesting and their sales are going to jump and mark my word within the next year or two other people are going to follow particularly if it's very successful and other people are going to call y'all said y'all do beer and they're gonna be like no nah, we don't do beer they're like fuck it i'm gonna call I, somebody that delivers beer i bet they charge bar prices too like i bet it's not you know it's like convenience store beer costs and also um some states allow beer only deliver and some make you have to order food i wonder if there's gonna be people that literally just order like let me get a 12 let me get two six packs of stella artois i don't want no pizza yes because they're like i don't feel like going to the store i'm in for the night i don't want to go out so if you're in one of these places where you know you can't get places to deliver to you it's just the convenience like i say they, they're basically going to start up a beer delivery industry that they you know that didn't even know people wanted it you know it's going it's, it's a convenience thing oh now when i get home at five o'clock and i don't feel like fighting traffic i can just order it from you right uh next up they call drake the champagne poppy well now he's making his own champagne and how much you think it costs a bottle fifty dollars or more three hundred dollars Ooh, right? I, was, I was on the low end that's some expensive mimosas ain't it though uh currently the brand is a has a reserved champagne and a rosé champagne in their repertoire with bottles ranging from 300 to 400 dollars 400 mm-hmm. yeah it's drake people gonna pay for the name produced in valet de la monnaie in the champagne region of france mod selection champagne officially hit stores in the u.s as well as drizzy's home country of canada in november what makes this particularly cele- particular celebrity drink a little more legitimate is its involvement with the award-winning wine and spritz produce spirits producer uh brent hocking so i guess he's gonna be hocking them drinks for real drake introduced the champagne in a short video for southern glazer last month leaving the audience with these encouraging words the product is great the presentation is great and hopefully the representation is great as well i think the full package is there yeah and a lot of people are starting to get into that uh people can joke or whatever they want about puff daddy and chirac but uh chirac can make it to kill him people buying it and people are purchasing it so other people want to get in there and get that money too yeah i mean look uh it's definitely also a lane that the other people aren't in i think the other people are in like fine liquors and right. all that stuff so you know you also got that you know you got he's i mean he's trying to be a mogul i think that's what a lot of the hip-hop stuff is now it's like not just can you rap but how good of a businessman are you what was your brand like when you put your name on shit and i think he's trying to compete with like jay-z and nas and all those big names yes that and that's really funny i mean i guess in the rap game you can rap forever but if one day you decide i'm not making another album you can you still have a social income mm. um so it turns out this is gonna blow your mind one 18 inch pizza one 18 inch pizza okay has more pizza than two 12 inch pizzas how does that doesn't make sense um it's all math karen uh one savvy user posted a tweet that pointed out that buying two 12 inch pizzas will actually yield you less pizza than if you buy one 18 inch pizza it's math y'all oh i guess more dough like it's the long the length of it it's just circumference times uh oh, times pie mm-hmm. other uh let's see however if you're a fan of crust the two 12 inch pizzas are your best bet because you get more crust yes I but if you want that. less crust and more pizza 
you want to go with one big pizza mm. yep yep we know that next time we order in pizza yeah that's why the deals for two smaller pieces always get more people in the door even though it's less pizza two large mediums for x99 each sounds better than the higher sticker price of the big pizza we run deals on the big pieces and they are never as popular as a two four deal that makes so much sense and i've fallen for that yeah right because you know everybody now because i back back to the grub hub and all these other places i eating up the main chains pizzas everybody now all pizza chains i've seen a commercial it is 3.99 walk up i mean you know what i mean carry mm-hmm. out 4.99 carry out two topping three topping you know they specialty pizzas five and seven dollars because people are like they're just not buying pizza no more you know and it's cheaper for them to have you come in like so you can basically call on on your way home and take it home then actually have a delivery man deliver it to you so you know and a lot of them now you know before when they used to do it it used to be monday through thursday now they do that shit fucking every day so all jokes aside the trends will tell you how you know things are affecting you know pizza places and truth be told i think grubhub and all these other delivery services have really fucked up the pizza game like it has really made people have to think outside the box that's why the first article you talked about that's why they doing stuff like a uh, beer and, and you know and all these other things because they're like look we got to do something to bring these people back because some of these customers they have literally lost forever and they were like why the fuck would i do that when i can get a better quality pizza or just grubhub you Come know on. those kind of door dash like you know um karen you've been eating and storing your chocolate incorrectly this whole time i have Mm-hmm. what i've been doing wrong um apparently you don't have to keep it in the fridge it's not essential to the actual perishableness of the chocolate secondly it's gonna make the below steps you should be taking uh harder to do number two you gotta rub it you're not rubbing your chocolate before you first i mean what am i trying to get it aroused what's happening here you got to rub that chocolate down right i freeze my chocolate Mm -hmm. you got to get all up in that chocolate and let it know who's boss Mm -hmm. getting them chocolate grooves Mm -hmm. (laughs) you gotta go over to your chocolate and say hey girl hey um what's going on i'd like to put you in my mouth chocolate come on let me let me take off these wrapping get out of these clothes mm-hmm. chocolate i know you had a long day at work mm-hmm. but i'm finna rub you down mm-hmm. i know you got a hard back let me work it out secondly you're not you're eating it without smelling it you gotta smell the chocolate what smell are they gonna do mm-hmm not pillar of the swiss la maison Kieler code national geographic the biggest mistake she sees chocolate eating people make uh in uh is that they don't look at it or smell it they just pop it in their mouth i mean unless i'm worried about it killing me why why i don't understand you enjoy it more oh oh okay you're not breaking it into pieces first now that's i do break my chocolate into pieces not breaking into pieces it releases all the natural aromas and chocolate has to offer snap is snap is the feel and sound of a piece of chocolate when you first break it it's a function of the amount of quality of the cocoa butter in the chocolate how finely ground the chocolate particles are and how well the chocolate was tempered Mm. another thing y'all doing wrong you're shoving it in your mouth all at once (laughs) so take a little baby bite of your chocolate first yeah because sometimes depending on what it is it's a lot like just too 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 chocolatey you gotta prepare your palate 
um you got another problem y'all doing y'all chewing it don't chew the chocolate what are you supposed to do suck it turns out that you're supposed to suck it oh let it melt there for as long as you can stand it uh on your, on your tongue on the roof of your mouth hmm it's certain candies i do that with just suck off the coatings i've never sucked the chocolate but i'm gonna try this next time mm-hmm. you're mixing chocolates that's another one um but they say you know you're putting too many different kind of chocolates together what do you mean like white chocolate dark chocolate cocoa chocolate you can't have reese's hershey snickers and twix like in the same setting like we eat a bowl of halloween candy and you're just eating all the different chocolates you're not supposed yes. to do that you're supposed to eat one at a time <laughs> it's delicious what are you talking about and lastly don't drink anything immediately after doing the above six things with your chocolate or else you'll be oh. wasting the chocolate oh so i can't eat so i can't even enjoy my chocolate and you know drink you know drink with it i mean we... so it's just 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 absorb it Mm-mm. i don't like this best okay all right well uh i guess i'll go to the next one then <laughs> uh how about this a bakery known for its fried stuffed croissants is now open near uptown charlotte Ooh, i think i heard about this i don't i want to try this place so north davidson near birdsong brewing um it's the seventh location of the elizabethtown based bakery with an eighth on its way to raleigh um it's called bernie sweets and more not that bernie a different one <laughs> i hope so um kimberly johnson bernie's of uptown co-owner uh oh that's a picture of her okay bernie specializes in fried filled croissants along with other sweet like donuts pies cakes and more oh my god can't go here <laughs> why not it's too delicious i never leave uh-uh. croissants are available plain glazed or filled with flavors like peach cherry chocolate apple bavarian cream i mean bavarian cream and more and they taste like flaky donuts glazed Ooh. croissants are a dollar 49 each or 14 14.99 a dozen and filled croissants are dollar 69 each or 16.99 a dozen that's good because you know me and roger be out periodically and we've actually like been to bakery places and some of them are terrible yeah sometimes bakeries are you hit or miss you really got to order the right things and right you know and the other thing you i forget all the time is you know bakeries aren't just sweets you know in my mind i'm like cookies and brownies and shit and cake mm-hmm. now i get in there and it's, it's like, like here's pastries. a wheat here's a wheat biscuit yeah you're like i don't want no goddamn wheat biscuit no. we made some bread <laughs> this morning so uh there you go um so yeah um put that on the list i'm gonna try it all right i'll try to remember to add that on my yelp thank you um and this is the last story and then we'll move on to our meal of the week because uh the interview was kind of long and i know you know we ain't gonna top y'all all day guys gotta say something for the next episode i know right a man denies turning his home into a restaurant despite a sign over his door <laughs> oh what is that drive through here i ain't got a restaurant it says orlando's and it's just like a restaurant sign yeah did you make a neon and everything a man is denied running a, re- a japanese restaurant from his home despite <gasps> neighbors complaints about a large illuminated sign hanging over his front door Nor- <laughs> norwich city council said it was investigating the address of on Earlham road in norwich which features a large sign reading orlando's above the door a phone number and a web address 
Orlando Williams, who lives at that address, previously ran a Japanese restaurant called Sakura Yakiniki uh, in Northwich City Center and denies running the restaurant from his property. When asked about the sign by the Eastern Daily Press newspaper, Williams reportedly said, All I do, I have my name on my house. There's no restaurant there. He declined to comment on Friday. Oh, it's a restaurant there. Yeah. I mean, he used to run a sushi restaurant. Now his house got signage like a sushi restaurant. I know. They probably had traffic coming in. They'd be like, what the hell is this? Why is there a to-go window? On Thursday, the council approved an application for the property to be used as a bed and breakfast, but such approval does not allow mm. business to serve alcohol or operate as a restaurant. A council spokesman said the officials were investigating uh the facebook page for sakura yakanuku niku announced the restaurant had reopened at the earl Ham road address <laughs> october two, 2018 after a temporary closure in 2015 local resident andrew unwin said when he first got this going he sent some invitations and leaflets to the neighbors the city council said the problem they got with enforcement is that until they see him using it they can't do anything about it a flyer shared on facebook in october invited customers to book a table for sushi at orlando's on earlham road along with the caption open every day from 16 to 22 i guess those that how to do hours there yeah wow so they actually have a flyer on facebook and hours and you can book a table for sushi uh, this was the middle depth 16 to 20 that was military time yeah i don't i think it's another country oh the UK. okay on, on the review site trip advisor the restaurant's page lists this old address in the city center but Im- images show the outside of williams home <laughs> <laughs> Damn. he's like he's just basically like like a man on love and hip-hop y'all only see me cheating you see me i don't know who this baby is Mm-mm. a norwich city councilwoman said we're in the middle of two ongoing investigations into possible breaches of planning and food safety regulations which may have legal consequences so we can't provide specific details which may form part of this investigation which could jeopardize the case he must oh, be he did that shit he must be feeding the cops that's the only way i can see the cops letting this shit go because that's gotta be highly unregulated mm-hmm. you got a susan special number two i got y'all for some somebody i mean it's raw fish too somebody gets sick in there what you gonna do right kill somebody like no sir well that's all the lip smacking good good uh lip smacking uh good news i got for you that's all the spicy mm-hmm. news so uh i guess we can get ready to move to the next segment everybody now it's time for meals of the week we're gonna talk about what we've been eating on oh yeah meals of the week now we only got one this week because like i said the interview was long mm-hmm. um but we want to talk to you about a little place we like to go called turnhouse grill yes and you know it's fancy because it's g-r-i-l-l-e <laughs> that e on that grill grill a uh that's french for grill uh <laughs> it's a little small spot we go to up the street um now i gotta say uh the ambiance in here not the best like yeah like it's very deceiving it's a corner bar it used to be health 
um i think the same people might even own it because they still sell the same hef's wings mm-hmm, which I will, delicious yeah um but uh it's really good um but it's dark in there it's in the cut too it's only a few chairs and there's like high tops then a couple tables the way the chairs are set up it's not really the best seating arrangement to Mm. be honest with Mm y'all um but still i uh really like this place um so uh yeah what did you think about the overall like the ambiance and stuff i agree with you it it is it's, it's very small and we normally go on off times where they're not jumping uh, I know, and when it's warm, they're doing more of the outdoor seating because they have like outdoor mm-hmm. TVs and things like that. Yeah, it's like a sports bar, kind of. Yes. Like a fancier sports bar. Yes, like a fancier sports bar. Um, but the food is absolutely delicious. The other thing I will add to this is we go on the weekends because they actually do brunch until like three or four o'clock on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And they low key got a pretty pretty solid brunch yeah they do um yeah the the lunch will i mean the brunch would actually uh shock you because it's like a limited menu but everything on there i think we've we've tried a little bit of everything yeah i like the brunch more than the regular like nighttime dinner menu same and they also on we normally go on saturdays or saturdays or sundays Mm -hmm. and they always have five dollar mimosas and five dollar bloody marys yeah yeah and i like me a good mimosa i don't like bloody marys but i like me a good mimosa i've never had a bloody mary i don't think i want one yeah it's tomato juice it's not it's not that good to me uh but it's good for hangovers okay uh at any rate let's talk about some of the things we have tried here before um well we almost always end up getting the wings they're called hef wings my personal opinion some of the best wings in charlotte yeah and the name of the wings are called can't we all just get along <laughs> yeah that's hef's why can't we all get along sauce and then maddie's driver up um now the only thing i'll say about the hef's wings you only get eight it's twelve dollars yeah. you get eight um they they get missing quick but they so good like i don't know how they never have a wing special but if they would have i would be up in there they probably do my wing but on. yeah we probably miss them yeah but have swings you cannot go wrong with that another favorite truffle crab mac and cheese yeah yes i remember when we went there one time and we was like oh let's get some macaroni and cheese and the waitress was like that's a good choice it's really good and she was right and it comes like in like this bowl mm-hmm and it is absolutely tastes like they bake it yes it's it's very cheesy and it's gooey and it's made with white cheese Mm -hmm. and also the other thing it's got a little bit of crab in there and it's big enough that if you go with one to one person you can split it correct um like it's like if you go by yourself you can't finish it um unless that's the only thing you order yeah exactly that's what i mean so you order it like as a side no it's a meal and it's 16 dollars, so it's priced like a meal it's a meal okay yeah, it's like yes you get a lot um another thing we tried up there um i've had the turn house burger and i added a egg to it um uh because it was brunch you can't brunch without an egg come on uh and uh yeah that burger was that burger was off the hook uh not the best burger i ever had but just really solid burger um i had the fried shrimp burger last time two times ago we went there y'all fried shrimp burger add the egg to it because you can add an egg for a dollar on mm-hmm. any of their sandwiches mm-hmm. um that 
was flame emojis not the flame emojis yes and the way they do the fried shrimp burger they don't do it like most places where they actually they do it almost like po' boy style mm. where they fry up the shrimp and then they don't like make it into a patty or nothing they just fry up the shrimp and put individual fried shrimp in there and make kind of like a sandwich of the fried shrimp oh my god y'all falling out the bone it's got slaw obey mayo and a brioche bun Ugh. yes it like it is really really good and uh for me uh i know you do the sammy the sammy is really good oh yeah the sammy you've done it before too mm-hmm. um the sammy is their breakfast sandwich they have yes. a couple breakfast sandwiches they have one a fried chicken biscuit which, which is, i've had great the chicken biscuit is absolutely delicious it has a uh red onion jam mm-hmm pimento cheese i i know people like to but when i tell y'all it is absolutely delicious on that sandwich it is delicious yes uh that that is a great bread uh biscuit um and then the sammy a fried egg bacon cheddar red onion jam brioche bun and then you get a side which i normally get cheese grits and they use white cheddar cheese uh for the grits pretty good pretty good i like only thing about that having a beard is the, the sandwiches with the red jam gets gets my beard sticky and i have to you know take a shower or something when i get home uh but <laughs> worth it okay between that and the mimosas worth it um it really is and then last time i don't think i said on the menu something new they've added is the flatbread pizza breakfast flatbread it is absolutely delicious and the flatbread pizza has like a jam on it and you get well it's not really a pizza it's just i think it's called just flatbread oh flatbread yeah it's a difference oh okay yeah not all flatbread is pizza but go ahead i'm sorry <laughs> my bad no I, I only know because of hello fresh oh because i call i think i assumed it was all the same Mm-mm. oh okay like sometimes like the pizza doesn't have any uh that flatbread that you got doesn't have any pizza sauce no it doesn't it's just like breakfast ingredients on on some bread that they bake oh. on some flatbread and, oh. but it's so good it was so good yeah like like i said that, that's my ignorance i apologize i just consider it all the pizzas on flatbread and it looks like a pizza uh but it was absolutely delicious i had eggs and i think it had some jam on it and i got them to add some grilled onions on it when i tell y'all it was absolutely it was very good we ended up getting uh when we went the last time ended up getting a uh, percentage off our meal because i think they forgot to cook it yeah they took 25 percent off uh and then the last thing i ordered and you guys are gonna sense a theme here but the pimento grilled cheese is white cheddar pimento cheese local tomato bacon and i added an egg because it's only a dollar y'all that's right (laughs) i added an egg to all my sandwiches listen that motherfucking sound that's the best sandwich they made for me like i ate the whole fucking sandwich like a greedy that egg. was really good like yes. the cheat now it's, all this food i'm telling y'all is pretty much sloppy like <laughs> it was falling off the bread it was cheese everywhere it was melting bacon and tomatoes but that one with the grilled bread that they had oh my oh, god that grilled bread was excellent i didn't know what kind of grilled bread it was but it Me was neither. delicious like they they toasted it or grilled it mm-hmm. like yeah they grilled it yo like they made the fuck out of that grilled cheese and then you throw the egg in there y'all set it motherfucking off dog that's like if i go back next time that's what i'm getting again because um <laughs> i think that's the best thing i ever ate there excuse me oh and uh we've been for dinner before too yeah and yeah. one of uh well two of my favorite things is i like the uh espresso chili rub ribeye 
that is absolutely delicious yeah now the only thing when we went to dinner because uh, you know we like to we, we're um what do you call it uh we're yelpers mm-hmm. so the only thing is when you go for dinner it's so dark in there like i told you the ambiance yeah. is kind of leaves a little bit to be desired and i wouldn't put this in a yelp review obviously i'm mm-hmm. I'm not mean but i wish they had brighter lights in there because it's so dark when i went to take a picture of you know the food at night you almost need a goddamn like uh, a light a flashlight on your phone to like you can't you gotta take it with a flash on and you know when you yelping that people always judge like well, i'm just motherfucking taking pictures of ain't food like they never been nowhere it's like mind your motherfucking business dog right don't worry about that um but yeah it, it was really good it was really delicious mm-hmm. that and the cider brine pork chop and i i'm a sucker for a pork chop roger know me i love pork chops uh this pork chop was absolutely delicious it's one of them big thick cut pork chops mm-hmm. oh it- and i had the seafood pasta y'all the pieces of seafood in there was so fucking big now like i said this place is expensive okay like yeah. that seafood pasta. i mean well it's actually not it's not like break your neck ruth chris it's expensive. expensive no but like it's the like seafood pasta below. was like 21 dollars. right it's like a step below yeah and you do get your money like you do feel like oh y'all took y'all time put y'all foot in this mm-hmm. you know you're like i never felt ripped off like really this for 17 dollars or whatever mm-hmm. but still letting you guys know when you get the wings 12 dollars. most of the sandwiches we named between uh 10 to say uh 18 dollars and then the stuff karen's talking about we're talking 21 dollars around there like the cheapest meal they have for dinner is shrimp and grits and that's 18 dollars so you know a little little more expensive than some places but i'm sure y'all that (laughs) y'all that are from like more expensive cities are probably like you you broke ass niggas are like that ain't shit i'll eat six of them but for those of us down here in the country you know it's a little you know for us it's a little rich for our blood but you gotta treat yourself right every now and then you go you know what and like i said it costs more but you 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 get more so you don't like right just say it's in between you paying high prices you feel cheated now there are some times where i pay a high price i don't get a lot but it's fucking delicious right you know but for this you actually pay more and you get more the turn house grill mm-hmm. will have the link and the pictures in the show notes and lastly we got some feed smack karen yay that's right it's time to get into see what these smackers are talking about mm-hmm let's smack these niggas up i want to smack you up <laughs> um all right so we got three comments on episode 38 hot dog water thank you guys. first of all thank you for everyone who takes the time out to comment on this show specifically yes um because one it's a little bit harder to produce two um we never know if you're listening or not Mm-mm. and um three you know it encourages us to continue to do these shows because it's a little harder to do karen's episodes we have to did the sometimes we have to get an interview uh if not we gotta you know remember some places that we ate I, the show notes take a while because i have to go find all these pictures again you guys make it so worthwhile for us to be like yeah let's do another list smacking good like we need to make sure the people are fed uh so let's go feed smackers gwg says feed smack i love the song i love the song the new format the old format food talking food news food puns you name it oh 
we got one from ct who says i'm in qatar middle eastern country and they have many of the same chain restaurants that we have in the states to include kfc kfc is significantly better here than in the states i don't really like kfc in the u.s but here they fry their chicken crispy uh turn yeah that makes sense and, and you know what i'll decide i've heard that like even mm. when they do documentaries i've seen documentaries on kfc and everybody in other places say that kfc is so much better outside of the states that's what i hear too so i don't know what it is they just jipping us because you know here in the states they like what do we have left over mashed potato gravy and corn smack it together and sell it in the bowl yeah and it, it uh it makes sense because um that's actually the restaurant chain that um that girl was talking about in the video where they said that they ran out of chicken and she was upset uh, and they had like a whole like news like report yeah, just on chicken like, running out chicken delicious here actually angry sad and disappointed that kfc ran out of chicken come on one one of these old days we might have to travel outside the united states and get some quote-unquote real kfc then i guess alternatives to cow milk is pretty interesting i'm trying to be a bit more health conscious uh than when i grew up especially for my daughter i've started giving her almond milk rather than cow milk and she seems to like it i'm not making it a dietary restriction or anything i just want her to have some additional options afforded to her that's smart mm-hmm. get them while they're young man because once they get old they they get the taste for the that mother that uh cow milk and then it's, they it's can't hard. get off i'm not gonna lie y'all it's hard like i said and and i've actually been thinking about like other alternatives like i did i do lactate free milk and mm-hmm. you know they have other types of milk and like i say it and it, it, for me i guarantee you if i shopped around i probably could find it but it's one of those things where it's like do i want to spend the money and i don't know if this shit gonna be good you know yeah. type of i mean it's thing. milk so what's the difference a week two weeks and then it's right back that's true that's true I mean, yeah. you're gonna go back to get some more milk anyway yeah so that's what made me try vegetable milk and all that oh, shit because okay. i'm like if i don't like it one i'm grown i, <laughs> I can afford another milk but then right. two um you know maybe i'll find something i like and maybe i'll find something i like better than milk and more importantly something that doesn't make my stomach hurt uh, correct correct so uh, i'm kind of getting out of that mode so i will try to branch out but like i said it's the taste like i said and, and like i say once you kind of get addicted because to me it's an addiction to like regular milk you go what the hell is that brussels sprouts like you right i also hated brussels sprouts but i only had them bro- boiled uh broiled which we all know is the worst way to eat a food to like it yeah i had them boiled which i think is actually worse, worse than bro yeah but i was determined to like it so this is what i do i buy fresh brussels sprouts and cut them up so that they that most of the leaves separate then i cut up onion red green and yellow pepper and season the hell out of it drizzle some olive oil mix it up and roast it baby when i tell you it's delicious it's delicious yeah i think i roasted them i had roasted brussels sprouts from um this burger place me and karen went to um they offer it as a side mm-hmm. other than uh fries it has bacon in it those have bacon in it bacon bits like little bacon okay bits. i can't remember the one i i, I couldn't remember that but i i just enjoyed them without whether it's bacon bits or not the the burger place i'm talking about um bang bang burgers mm-hmm. uh i can't remember any bacon being in it but it was good oh no 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 they, no i don't think they got it at bang bang Burgers, but okay. i think we've had it somewhere else and they had bacon in it okay um 
uh now you may say that i don't like brussels sprouts if i gotta do all that to the vegetable that i don't entirely disagree but i still enjoy the way i make it yeah that's what's funny too people are like uh you like liver no well i'm gonna put some cheese on it some gravy i'm gonna put it between two steaks i'm like nigga that's not that's still <laughs> that's you're not tricking me i don't like that <laughs> like that shit you just trick you try to trick me <laughs> if i fry it up and then i stick some like get out of here i'll put some butter in it yeah karen i think you listed you you listed is the top what you listed is the top 10 google searches for food for black people google was just trying to do their best but with chicken near the bottom of the list we should have knew who they were talking about <laughs> all right y'all i don't understand the chinese food in the midwest story i'm with y'all the mo- th- this might not be my ministry but i only got one comment most chinese food in the u.s is bad and none of it is authentic right it's, but- it's, it's not uh like i said something me and roger found out years ago i think we was in fairville state we went to a chinese restaurant uh, uh right before it closed and all of a sudden this and i'm used to it now but all of a sudden all you seen was broths and soups and i was like they not even feeding us their food yeah yeah anytime you go to uh and most of the time those people aren't chinese though so that's ah, not even chinese food okay. like a lot of times people that own chinese restaurants in america are vietnamese oh okay. we just associate you know all asians the same because we racist but, uh, that's true I, I'm, I apologize yeah like vietnamese food is actually pho and stuff oh, like that bibbap okay. um mm-hmm. that kind of stuff um but it's not going to be uh authentic um then at least let it taste good and traditionally midwestern food is not the most flavorful and not fresh since they have to ship in a lot of their selections i'm not saying he's not wrong but he may be closer to right on this one yeah so i saw someone say he shouldn't get the over in the midwestern pf chain so maybe people feel like he's gonna franchise it and <clears throat> this food is gonna be known as asian food when really it's a white man um even though i don't think he's a chef i think zimmerman just eats food i don't i don't mm-hmm. know the story was weird to me and i understand that i might not have had the tools to grasp it right so i didn't want to mm-hmm. have some defining commentary on it when i'm sitting around just spitballing and someone else might write in and be like no this is why it's fucked up he shouldn't be doing this and we in the asian delegation reject all this bullshit <laughs> right so i would understand and you know final note if you ever concern yourselves about whether or not we'll listen if you don't have a guest don't i love listening to y'all talk about anything together and talking about food by yourselves is no different thank you so much for this episode thank you thank you now, i'm glad you said that because sometimes i do get concerned like oh they're gonna be mad we ain't got no interview in this list making good or they're gonna you know like do they want to hear us you know talk about just three restaurants we <laughs> ate at you know is that kind of boring but i'm glad you guys enjoyed and those comments help um help me so thank you yes because they want to know you know what we eat in in our interactions and you know when people come to charlotte they go well i got a list of places to eat now oh for sure i'm not nothing you're saying is wrong it's just the way my brain works oh not a problem casey cologne says hey y'all karen you are absolutely correct with regard to korean culture and korean barbecue i spent a year in korea and korean barbecue is very common and very popular it's definitely a family experience and korean barbecue is more for a group family friends and more of a social experience than a quick get in get out type of thing Mm. the other type of korean barbecue you've had is also available in korea but more american style than korean style and ready-made korean food caters to employees that have set time limits and things like that i hope that helps thanks casey cologne thank you it does help because i like i said sometimes we be talking 
we ain't been there and i'm like uh baby you, you are you sure you know what you're talking about Cause, like i said i do worry about us you know because we are talking about you know food is is wonderful because uh, obviously it's delicious and there's so many ways to make it but also just in general we're really talking about culture you're really talking about people correct you're really talking about people's lives food right. is very important to people in their culture and i want to have respect for it. i don't want to just be like the kind of person that makes jokes about like uh indian food trash or whatever oh, no. you know right. uh, we didn't do that i know that i'm just saying so uh i i it's times where i recognize my ignorance on something right and if we're being ignorant or slightly offensive or something i would rather us know and, than and, to and just be, be out here like right. sounding like some ignorant ass like you know all korean barbecue the same to me like i don't know maybe some somebody we have enough reach hopefully somebody that does know will let us know and be like nah this is this is how it is or yes in this case yes that's exactly how 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 we eat it over here so dope thank you casey cologne thank you baby all right well that's it um you're gonna uh we got an interview coming up right we do we do with nicole taylor i'm so excited yep and that'll be the end and we'll talk to you guys uh this is the last time you hear from us on this episode uh so we'll talk to you guys uh or from me on this episode you'll hear karen and nicole of course uh so we'll talk to you guys later we have a great guest nicole taylor she she's been doing a lot y'all she's been doing a lot if you heard the upfront you will hear the many great things that she does all her social media stuff and everything is on the upfront so you can find everything that you want about her Nicole, I heard you said you had a baby. How old is your baby? Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. Yes, I, I have a, I guess, I don't know how to do it. It's like 14 weeks, three months. But, yep, I have a baby boy. His name is Garvey Crown. Uh, so, yeah, enjoy motherhood and back to work, back cooking, uh, deep into motherhood and the food world. Yes, and is it different with a baby and cooking and food? Do you think about food differently now since you have a child? 100%. 100%. I mean, I can't, you know, it's uh, being a freelance food writer <clears throat> and doing media projects, you know, my life is, a lot of my life is at home and a lot of my life was outside of the house, you know, eating and tasting and eating. So everything has to be planned down to a T and I have to really think about meals. Are they quick and fast? What can I make in advance? So it definitely, um, being pregnant, dealing with, dealing with, uh, the after life or what I call the new normal, it changes everything about how I eat and how I go out to restaurants 100%. In the in that process where you're going from motherhood to kind of rebalancing and reshifting your life, uh, food prep. Like I haven't, I've kind of talked about food prep, but is it really as difficult as it, as I think it is, or is it something really simple? You just have to plan it out. Well, I'll tell you what. It started with this. Um, so about a month before I gave birth, I got really smart and friends were asking what could they do how could I help I enlisted three friends to make grains and beans um, 
and I gave them recipes and told them exactly what I wanted. So that was the smartest thing that that happened. Instead of just telling people, you know, I have a registry, buy this, so come by and do this. I had people, and particularly people that I know are good cooks, to to make stuff for me. So I had in my freezer, you know, farro, and I had all these grains, particularly grains and foods that really help with um, breast milk production. So it was super easy for me to just, you know, warm some stuff up. It's so funny. I moved to a new apartment, and I hadn't used a microwave in like 10 years. Uh, (laughs) But, you know... When you have a new baby, it changes everything, but definitely planning is is number one. I've always planned my meals anyway for the week um, and, you know, did my grocery shopping on Sunday. But now um, I have to really be strategic about how long it's going to take. Um, do I have enough of this already? Because there's no running out and coming back. Um, but the meal planning... I hate the word meal planning. I I really like to call it, you know, a new blueprint um, of how to cook or your your weekly blueprint. That's what I call it instead of meal planning. Because I never go, I never really go by the blueprint 100%. Um, But, you know, pretty 70% of the time, what I write down is what I make. You were talking about breast milk productions for people that are listening that might be new mothers. What are some foods that you, I heard you talking about grains and things like that, but what are some specific foods that will help somebody who goes, I want to breastfeed. What do I do to increase it so that it's not as difficult uh, to produce milk? Well, I say it, it, three things. Hyd- you need hydration. So plenty of water, watermelon juice, all the juices in the world, um, you know, having water and infusing it with, like, apple rinds and apples. So hydration is definitely a part of it. Um, grains, you know, I have a savory granola mix that a friend made for me, and it's carried on, you know. I'm still breastfeeding a little now, so eating those foods that are high in grains, like flax and um, hemp, which has a lot of protein in it, um, you know, mullet, couscous, all the grains in the world, I have them, and eating them every day is super important. Um, so hydration, um, grains and wheat, and then the third thing is protein. I never um, <laughs> was a big steak person. I probably have steak a few times a year, but you got to get the protein in, Um so steaks, lamb, chicken. Um, I have a protein powder that I made myself. I've mentioned hemp. Um, I love mushrooms. You get a lot of vitamin D from mushrooms. Um, so all of those things are super important, and you gotta gotta get all those things in. Otherwise, you know, you will have um, not that much milk, not not that much nourishment to give your baby. And I get it. Let me say this. Breastfeeding is hard. I think a lot of people, um, idolize, you know, kind of, idolize is not the right word, kind of like look at it. It's like, oh, it's so great. No, it is tough work, you know. It is, it's a lot of work, and it's also a privilege um, to be able to do it. I think people always say, black women need to breastfeed, or people need to breastfeed. 
And as a person who's now experienced it, I'm like, it's easier said than done, for sure. It, it it appears to be, and I think it should. It's a choice, and everybody acts like certain choices because it, it's the choice that they made or didn't make that the other one is bad. Um, when it comes to breastfeeding, because the thing about it, for a lot of women that will love to breastfeed, it's time consuming, and then a huh. lot of people are yeah. forced to go back to work. You know, six to eight weeks. When you look at other countries, they have a year, year and a half, two years sometimes to actually get to. Uh, get that relationship with their child and they're not forced to go back to work so I think that that plays a, a big role too and with your husband the adjustments uh, to food how has it affected your husband well you know I am very privileged that my husband was on fraternity leave for three weeks I mean excuse me not three weeks three months wonderful uh, yeah he was on fraternity leave for three months and he jumped right in I mean jump right in in terms of you know he knew the meals that were in the in the fridge he would pull a few things out it would take him a long time <laughs> but he was able to put together some things in the very beginning and as you know I healed my body healed up from from an emergency cesarean session he um I you know rolled back in the kitchen and was able to do some things he's cool with it you know he loves great food I often joke with him that he's a food snob, but he doesn't know it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he loves coffee. I, I don't make a good coffee or a good cappuccino. So he's a person that in the morning, he's on coffee duty. You know, he he is the person that I can give him a list. He'll go pick up things. But, no, he he's adjusting. He's adjusting fine. And also he knows now that um, – I may be cooking a little bit later or like last night or Sunday. Usually I do a big, like, you know, fairly like a Sunday meal. Uh, we had, I made tacos. I just grilled some, some fish and I had some tacos and, and there was some salsa in the refrigerator and that's what we had for dinner last night. It wasn't not a regular Sunday dinner thing. I had to do some quick and fast because I was getting tired and, and it was 10 o'clock. Uh, well, almost 10 o'clock. So, no, he totally gets it. He's he's with it, and he just rolls with the with the flow, you know. And with your book, how has your life kind of shifted or changed after you wrote your book? Oh wow! Well, the Upside Cookbook came out in 2015, and every time I think no one's paying attention to my book, um, someone will you know ask me something about the book or share something on social media. The the book is a snapshot of my life growing up in Athens, Georgia, then moving to Atlanta and becoming an adult in Atlanta, and then in 2008, moving to New York City, to Brooklyn particularly, at a time when food was just taking off in Brooklyn and taking off in the country where everyone was talking about food. So it really just gives a snapshot of that time period. And so much has changed in Brooklyn, so many places that I mentioned in the book or people either have closed or they moved on. Um, and, but so much is the same. The recipes still, still stand, but definitely the stories um, give a great look into my life and also um, what was happening in so many other food entrepreneurs and gardeners, what was happening with them and, and kind of the peak 
of this food culture movement. And my life has changed because, you know, I've had so many great opportunities afterwards. Before that, I, I didn't call myself a food writer. Um, but after that book, I'm like, oh, wait, I'm a cookbook author and food writer. And I started getting a lot of writing opportunities and writing more. So it definitely gave me a, a larger platform to tell more stories, and particularly stories about um, black people, black people who are doing great things in food. Um, so I, I'm, I'm grateful for the book. I'm super grateful for the book. Uh, and I had another another great opportunity that's coming out. I was able to develop the recipes and kind of work on some of the tone for the last OG cookbook, which is a TBS show that stars Tracy Morgan and Tiffany Haddish. And this April, that cookbook is coming out. And so all the recipes that you see in that book and some of the, some of the uh, content uh, by yours truly. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I would have had that opportunity without having the Upstaff cookbook. Oh, wonderful. And I know you were talking about all the changes in Brooklyn. How has gentrification affected Brooklyn? You know, I'm not from there, but down here in Charlotte, it has affected the, the, the layout so much because I know you said the when you wrote the book to now is such a big difference. How has how have you seen gentrification affect a lot of things? Oh, wow. Whew, boy, where do we begin? I mean, first of all, let me say this. I grew up in Athens, and I grew up in a neighborhood where, you know, 20 years ago, over 20 years ago when I left, nobody would dare come to Athens, Georgia, and, and decide to move to the east side of Athens. So I have experienced or see that experience happening in my hometown. And then when I moved to Atlanta, I lived in in Bankhead, bought a house in a neighborhood where people know from rap songs called Bankhead. And people were like, what? Um, at the time where people thought I was crazy. Uh, and I saw gentrification the first wave happen in that neighborhood. And then I moved to, to Brooklyn, more specifically to Beth, Bedford-Stuyvesant, Brooklyn. And I lived there ten and a half years up until uh, three months ago. So in almost 11 years, I saw Bedford-Stuyvesant, which is, you know, the people know Harlem and they hear Harlem. Harlem and Bedford-Stuyvesant are basically cousins, you know. People who migrated to the north, if they didn't go to Harlem, they went to Bedford-Stuyvesant, which is a rich black neighborhood that still, despite gentrification, there's still a social capital that is definitely connected to the black working class and middle class. Um, so Bedford-Stuyvesant has changed in a lot of ways, but yet it's still, it's still very much the same. I remember, you know, I would one of the fondest memories or things when you talk about gentrification in, in Bedford-Stuyvesant is I used to joke with a friend who grew up there and say, you know, how many people am I going to see getting off at the Notion Avenue train stop with um, Whole Foods Whole Foods or Trader Joe's bags that don't look like us? And, mm. you know, I would count and tell her I saw three people. And now if I go to that same train stop, you can't even count. I mean, the neighborhood looks completely different, completely different. You would see maybe a few white people getting off at at the train stop, but now it's it's you know it's like they they've always been there, but there's still this this 
this stronghold in Bedford Stuyvesant. I don't think that it's going to um, change as rapidly as Harlem. Harlem did. There's still a lot of black homeowners um, in that neighborhood who are who are holding on. I've now moved to Flatbush, <laughs> which is two miles, almost two miles from my old apartment. It's a traditionally Caribbean neighborhood with deep traditions um, and and people who are from the Caribbean. And this neighborhood reminds me so much of Bedford-Stuyvesant 10 years ago. Um, and, and I, even though I'm black and I don't fit into what the original definition of gentrification, I'm always very cognizant that um, I'm not from here. Um, and that the question always lingers over me, you know, when I'm going to bakeries along Nostrand Avenue, Caribbean bakeries, or I'm going to some of the new coffee shops that are opening up in the neighborhood, how am I contributing through what I eat and what I don't eat? Um, how am I contributing to the gentrification that's happening in Flatbush? I'm always cognizant of that. And I think food and coffee and new new restaurants is always the, the indicator of um, is change here or, or and who's changing it and who, who's here. Um, so I'm cognizant of that all the time. What do you think about the new thing as far as food, as far as a lot of fusions? Like all of a sudden is fusion soul food and korean food you know a korean food and asian food like i know down here it's a bunch of kind of uh fusion places popping up and fusion can be good but the thing about it me and my husband talked about this if i'm if i'm looking for a fusion place i want people that are native to the food to do the fusion uh once you get somebody on the outside kind of coming in to do the fusion we realize a lot of those places aren't good yeah, I hate that word fusion because it's like, what does that mean? You know, right. I feel like it's like, uh, I, I don't like the word fusion. And um, I mean, I don't, let me say this. There are some quote unquote places, mashups that you see here in New York, but it's hard for them to get away with that here when you have so many cultures, so many different melting pots. People can easily spot the, the, uh, <laughs> the not so quote unquote authentic or whatever authentic means. Right. Um and so what I feel about them is I mean you gotta come strong. I mean people think that fried chicken, like Korean fried chicken is fusion, is not fusion. Mm-hmm. It's very indicative of Korean culture. Right. So that's not fusion. Um you know, you see bon me and they made you, you know, <laughs> fried chicken bon me. Okay, that may be fusion-ish because that is not traditional. Um, I don't know. I mean, I do know. Uh, I think a lot of times you see the word fusion is usually not good. Um, I'm just going to keep it real with you. It's not It's not good. I would rather, if I have a hankering for, um, if I have a hankering for ramen, give me ramen, straight up ramen. Right. I don't know necessarily if I want a soul food ramen. Although, my friend in Atlanta, Chef Ty Richards, does a collard green kind of ramen thing that's really good. But it's I wouldn't even call that fusion. Um, it's good. And I wouldn't even say that's a fusion. It's just a chef who used a different vegetable for ramen, you know, collard uh, green ramen. Um, so, yeah, I would say, <laughs> sadly, when you see the word fusion, almost run the run the other way 
it's very few spots that they, that advertise or um, tell their story by using the word fusion that's really good. Ah. Also, uh, let's talk about your podcast. Uh, the podcast you do, how how did you, what was the idea to start a podcast? I know you do food and things like that, but, but what would make you think that people would be interested in hearing about your experience in food? Well, that's so funny. Um, I have not done a podcast in uh, five years. That's the last time I've done a podcast. Um, Hot Grease on Heritage Radio Network. I was way ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. I think you guys probably were doing a podcast then from 2009. Yep. Five years after that, I did a podcast. Now, I've done audio stories for a few publications and co-hosted um, The Sporkful with Dan Pashman, who has a food podcast. Yes. But I haven't solely done my own podcast in five years. And mainly because it's a lot of work. It and is. And people think you just getting on the people think you just getting on the mic and you're talking. No, mm-hmm. I mean you spend a lot of time booking and uh, you want to tell a great story, right? Yes. And you know I do food media full time. I don't have a full time job, and this is my side project. So when you're putting so many hours into something and not getting money, um, I had to take a step back. More so, I I took a step back after going to a storytelling workshop at Yale and realized, like, wait, I can be doing audio stories on another level and selling them to publications and making money. Um, And that's what I started doing. Um, I'm thinking about relaunching a podcast. I'm just really trying to figure out uh, the business model in terms of, you know, making sure I get a sponsor, trying to get money. Yeah, a lot of people underestimate how much time and, and effort and actually your own money that you invest into podcasting, you know, because I listen to Hot Grease, you know, so I, I'm a fan. So I, I was like, when Roger told us, I was like, oh, I'm excited. I was like, yay. Um, <laughs> and But I do understand. Um, also, I've seen that you started Twitter in 2008. How has oh, yeah. how has Twitter changed as far as food from 2008 to now? Like that's a long period of time. I know you you've kind of wow. Seen you went that. Out, does that say that in my thing? Yeah, that's so funny. I was just talking to my assistant. We were here today testing some recipes for uh, a new project that I'm working on, and I was mentioning Twitter because actually I met her on Twitter back in 2008. And over the years, she's, you know, gradually grown into, you know, at first she would just volunteer and help me with stuff. And now I can pay her. And we can work on projects. But we met on Twitter. And we were talking. I was like, when was the last time you've been on Twitter? She was on Twitter in 2008, obviously. And she was like, oh, I'm never on there anymore. <laughs> and I find that it's so funny, particularly in the food world, there was of like DIY people, people who were like really into food and they were on there and it was kind of like a community and mm-hmm. talk and build. I think that's changed a little bit for food. I think there are media people still online. They're still talking their smack and, <clears throat> you know, talking about the issues of the day. But to be honest with you, I don't have, I don't have time and I feel like some of my other 
peeps who became real life friends outside of Twitter. It's so many people that are like that. They're not on there as much either because it changed. And, and when I say it changed, it became more of a kind of people bitching. You know, people want to go on there and they want to go on rants. And I do that because I look at all the times that I'm actually talking. I'm using air quotes on Twitter. It's usually a rant. But now I'm just retweeting. I do a lot of retweeting. But in the early days, I was doing a lot of talking. There was a lot of community with food. I feel like some of the well-known food media people, they do a lot of ranting. They're not talking. They're ranting. Ah, and, 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 and yeah, to an extent, I, I, I do agree. I know, uh, for a lot of people, uh, social media, when it comes to food, is, the, is their platform. But I do agree is that sometimes you have to do things outside of social media and actually to, in order to, particularly with food, to grow your product. Yeah. I mean, I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm definitely on Instagram. I'm early adapter on Instagram. I'm early adapter on all social media. But I think as, for me, I think as I've gotten busier and really trying to, you know, navigate this food world, um, I don't have time to be on there as, as much as I used to. I mean, I used to consider myself a social media expert and really got social media. And then now I'm just like, ah, oh, boy, I'm, I'm like, I'm off my game. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I do a lot in stories and Instagram stories and I do updates now, but now I just try to make sure I just change it, put up a post and regular on the front Instagram page like once a month. I do do that. I was on Snapchat really early and then when Instagram um added stories, I got off Snapchat. Uh but I use all those communities. Let me back up. I use all those communities to build a brand and a name for myself. And I always say this social media changed the game and it democratized who wanted to do food media. Um, if you want to do a podcast, you can do a podcast and promote it on social media. You didn't need to go through the traditional gatekeepers and I still feel like it's super vital and important for indie makers food media makers to be on social and to have a presence I just honestly don't have the time and I just feel like it's it's not very community like it's just a bitch and complain place nowadays every now and then social will come together like I saw that the woman Fatima Ali who was a contestant on Top Chef who passed away. Right. I saw a lot of, you know, um, I saw the community coming together and, and really talking about her legacy. That's always a beautiful thing when stuff like that happens. Correct. Um, otherwise, it's just like, oh, God, what happened on Twitter today? <laughs> <laughs> I like, I just want to come see your pretty paint of eggs. What was happening here? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, though. And, you know, social media, I know it can't always be pretty all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, it's... It can't be pretty all the time, and, you know, you have to have a hard conversation. I think a lot of people, though, in my opinion, a lot of food people will hide behind social media. And, I mean, I'm in New York City, and I get to encounter in real life a lot of the media, food media people. Right. And who they are on Twitter is completely different than who they are in real life. And you're like, hey, you talk so much smack. And you don't even have two words to say in real life. Wow. Right. Uh, <laughs> so it's, 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 yeah, I think a lot of times for me, and when I get to see these folks in real life and then see their Twitter life, it's so confusing. 
So, yeah. <laughs> I'm a little cynical about Twitter nowadays. I like the pictures. I like, give me Instagram. Yeah, I, I, and I think a lot of people have moved over to Instagram, particularly in the food. Like, I, like I've seen that shift over to Instagram because Instagram is more conducive to like photos and pictures and images and, and more crafting. Uh, so that I do agree with you on. Totally. What was the thing that inspired you to cook? You go, ooh, this thing. That's why I want to cook. Well, uh, I don't know what the thing is or the thing was. I, I mean, I have been cooking for so long. I don't know my life without food kind of being the center. I mean, I started cooking really young before I was a preteen, you know, before I hit the double digits. I remember, you know, begging to make cakes by myself, buying the cinnamon roll in the can, cracking them open and you know, doing the icing myself or, um, you know, brownies in a box. And then I graduated up to homemade cakes. And, you know, I was raised in a house with my extended family and my aunts, two aunts and my uncle. They never, you know, and my mom, they never not let me cook or they encouraged it. They were cool with me cooking. They cooking for the whole house. And I got good at it. Um and I, you know, they thought it was normal. I thought it was normal that, shoot, before I was a teenager, I could cook a, you know, a full meal. Um, so I was, you know, it was, it wasn't one thing. I think the curiosity and them letting me be curious and letting me be, you know, letting me explore really um, put that 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 light inside of me about cooking. And I also too that how cooking can can. Um, uh, can change a person's mood, can change the household, it can help the household. And um, that is just more than just, yeah, it's all pretty and fancy, but it's also a necessity. I learned that early on about how to put a meal together with, you know, $15, $10. Um, so I can have little nothing in the house and I can fix the whole entire meal. And I learned that as a young person. Um, so yeah, it's not one thing, but I think it's my experience, you know, growing up in a, a blue collar household where everybody had to do their part. Um, that really, I think is the biggest inspiration. And I talk a lot about, you know, my inspirations in my cookbook, which are family, family members, uh, people in my community, the community I grew up with, um, so that's the extended part of of the inspiration, but it's it's the roots, it's the foundation. I think that that um, inspired me to to be in the kitchen and to continue to be in the kitchen. What is the most unique thing you've ever eaten before? Oh, the most unique thing! I think you know I have to always think about what all I ate. I went to Australia a few years ago. Um, it's been over five years ago. And I had so many, they had this big, huge market in Australia. Um, as we're speaking, trying to look up the farmer's market there, but I was able to have kangaroo. Um, and that was interesting. <laughs> uh, can I say it tastes like chicken? <laughs> oh, uh, okay. I thought yeah, it would be lean. It, it is lean. Okay. It was lean. It was lean. Um but yeah, I, I went to Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, um, 
wow, what year was it? They're probably in the, the the tweets. But it was it was their summer and it was winter here, so it was March. And so they have a beautiful farm mark beautiful market. It's one of the largest markets in the world. And they had a stall with like all this exotic meat and so I was able to taste it. So the kangaroo was the kangaroo was amazing. Um, I think that I mean going to Australia uh, it's, it's just a dream. So that was definitely some of the most unique food I had. And on top of that, I have to say, Australia has some of the best Greek food and Thai food in the world too. Mm. Um, so I can't just say, oh, I had kangaroos. I had some really great food, period, um, in Australia, but definitely the kangaroo. Mm. You you doing traveling? You Australia. You've been to other places. Uh, how has traveling changed your view of food? Ooh, yeah. <sighs> traveling. I, I mean, first of all, let me just say this. I think living in New York City, I don't. <laughs> I can. I can um, decide. You know, like, hey, I want to take the day and go to two neighborhoods and feel like I'm out of town. Um, mm. And I think living in this city and taking advantage of that is, is a big deal. But also, too, you know, I've traveled internationally, but I would say traveling in the United States, getting outside of, you know, where you normally are, it, it helps to spark curiosity. I hate to use that word again, but also it helps you or reminds you of, of how things, how we're, um, how we're the same, you know, how are our food may possibly translate to something else and how we're connected through other cultures. I mean, it's just always a big, huge inspiration for me to travel and eat different foods and more so just see how different people live. Last year, I traveled to Denmark. Ooh. I went to Copenhagen. Um, that was my trip for 2000. 2000, end of 2007, 2008, I did a lot of weekend trips because I was pregnant. But yeah, I went to, I spent, we spent Thanksgiving actually in, in Copenhagen, Denmark. Some of the best cheese and dairy I have had in the world. Um, I had great hot dogs there. Um, they have um, great seafood there, but it's not really popular. <laughs> the, the Danes love exported foods. They love like avocados, stuff that's not indigenous of uh, of Copenhagen, but they have really great like oysters and seafood there that they're just, there are a few restaurants that are like really tapping into the local seafood culture, but they love like pizza and American stuff. It's pretty crazy. But it, it also reminded me, they also have one of the best falafels. Mm. And my husband jokes, he was like, you just love that falafel. Was it better than the falafel we had in Egypt? I was like, oh, on the same level. But there's a huge, huge um, population there that are not from, you know, Denmark. They, you know, immigrants that have come to Copenhagen and they're bringing their food with them. Um, but I always, when I travel, I don't want to just go to the touristy spots. I'm like, tell me where the folks who aren't necessarily in the guidebooks. Tell me where they are. Take yeah. me where they are and give me their food. Um, so I do that a lot. But, hey, just last weekend I went out to Long Island or 
a few weekends ago, I went out to Long Island to the tip of Long Island, which is called North Fork, and explored the North Fork. I'd never really been to Greenport. I've been to the North Fork a few times, which a lot of people call, or it's, it's typically called um, wine country, Long Island mm. wine country. They're like over 40 wineries out there. Wow. Both of yeah, right in New York, just, just you know, two hours outside of New York. Um, so it's just amazing. It's amazing to go out there, you know, tour winery and and see this great kind of port beach city and how it is and how sleepy it is during the wintertime. So that's amazing. But 100% travel, travel totally, totally um, inspires me and rejuvenates me and gives me energy to keep pressing on. Wow. What is your favorite food to stash from others? You go, I like this and I don't share. Oh, I love French fries, 100%. You can have French fries, homemade French fries. Oh, no, you can't. I mean, you're not sharing that. I love, once I find a place that's making some for real deal fries, whew, yeah, that is my, and I didn't even realize that I love fries to the last census. <laughs> When I was pregnant the whole time, that was like my happy food. And even now, it's like I don't have them that often, but when I do, uh, I want some really good fries. I don't want to share them. I'm not sharing them. I know that sounds so basic, but <laughs> it is what it is. It's there, because I know fries can come in different ways. Like, I, I love sweet potato fries. So is it regular ah. fries, waffle cut, curly fries, or just fries in general? I like the waffle cut. Those are really hard to find. It's so funny because I said the other day, I was like, I should do an article about the best waffle cut fries to find in New York. They're hard to find waffle cuts. Um, no chick. Well, we do have a Chick Fil A here, but I never get to the Chick Fil A. I something about Chick Fil A, whatever their fries it is. Last few times I had Chick Fil A when I was down south, it didn't cooperate with my stomach. So I don't, it's hard for me to think about. Who has waffle fries here? Definitely if someone has some curly fries, I will look for curly fries. Sweet potato fries, I mean, I like them, but I feel like, am I trying to be healthy? If I'm eating fries, like, just give me the real. <laughs> just give me the real dip. But oftentimes I, I, see, I see that people have great dips when they do sweet potato fries. Mm-hmm. They'll have, like, a dipping sauce. But uh, but I like a good hand-cut French fry. Um, I like a waffle. I like a curly. Uh, and particularly if they're not, not just coming from a bag, but they're like, oh, no, we hand-cut them on, yeah. on site. And, you know, they're soaking them and doing like a two-process to fry them. I'm all for that. Yes, and like I said, I love sweet potato fries. So when you talking about the dips, yeah, I like a lot of them. Come, well, I like I like to dip my sweet potato fries in honey mustard. It's delicious. A lot of times they'll give you cinnamon uh, to dip your sweet potato fries in, which is absolutely delicious. Uh, and then you know if they don't do sweet potato fries, I am a sweet potato tater tot child. So I'm like, oh, y'all got sweet potato tater tots? Wow. Oh, I love tater tots. Definitely. Those are hard to find, but wow, sweet potato tater tots? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, those are really hard to find, too. Uh, but they're good. That's good to have tater tots. But I, I think I want to get fries over tater tots. Or maybe get both. It's hard to find good tater tots, though. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. 
what is your favorite thing to drink alcoholic non-alcoholic or both oh wow i love a great hard cider and people are like huh um i don't drink beer but i love hard cider and i love like small artisanal brands of cider one of my favorite companies is called eve cidery um but when i go to different cities i always I'm looking at them to say to see if there's a local hard cider, and I feel like over the years, you know, more and more people are getting on the cider train, so you find hard cider everywhere. Um, and also, too, what's becoming really popular, a lot of rosé ciders are popping up. So I love that because I don't drink beer, and that's like my go-to thing. So I would say that's definitely my favorite drink. I haven't had like hard liquor. And like over a year now, because being pregnant, yeah. uh, I just ease it back into stuff with wine. But I love wine, um, and I'm always really open. Like I'm Ganes or what I'm drinking now. Um, I like Pinot Noir. I love a good sparkling, and I love champagne. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a wine snob. But I'm always trying to, you know, have a in my memory bank different wine stuff. Um, and I love mezcal. I love mezcal and rum. I definitely keep my bar at home stacked with different mezcals and, and, and rums. And, and bourbons, no, that's my husband's thing. That's totally not my thing. Um, not into bourbons, but give me a rum drink. Give me um, mezcal and give me cider and give me any interesting any interesting wines yeah because uh, you sound like you have a sweet tooth because i know me i have a sweet tooth so when you were talking you made me think like i love dessert wines i'm a huge when i found dessert wines my life changed because i would tell anybody regular wine is nasty it's bitter i don't want anything bitter i, I have a sweet tooth so when i drink it i'm like who wants to drink this bitter mess and I know <laughs> that there are people that are snob. It's the greatest. I don't care. I, like I said, and, and I guess because, like I say, if you have a sweet tooth, people that are, are wine snobs and make you feel bad but not liking the bitter stuff. That You know, like I, I'm a big fan. Like I said, I don't like bitter beers. I don't like dark beers because it's, they're not sweet. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You know, you're talking about Moscato. It's so funny because I have this ongoing joke that, and I think I saw an article actually on Twitter about, um, you know, people, why people make assumptions um, about folks loving, black people loving Moscato. And people turn their nose up at people that drink Moscato. But I'm like, listen, people can drink whatever the, what they want to drink. Right. I mean, I've seen people who travel all the time who put wine, ice in their wine, which is like, to some people, they would you know, thumb their nose down. Let people drink what they want want to drink. And there's so many articles out about how Moscato is like the number one wine. It's the gate. It's the gateway wine to whatever. I feel like let people drink what they want to want to drink. I mean, um, that's how I feel about Moscato. I don't necessarily like sweet wines, but I like a Moscato. I'll drink a Moscato. I go with the flow. I I think as I've gotten older and been in this food game long enough to know that um the snobbery shit is just it's just there's no time for it and i've met people who if it ain't wine it's something else 
yeah. and it's also it, it's not wine, if it's not Moscato, it's something else they quote unquote do that's not acceptable, what have you, and I just know it's but it's it's not it's not the real deal. So I'm at the fashion of shoot, drink what you want to drink. That's, that's how <laughs> I know, feel. And, and when and when you want to drink it, and I will say that there is, I am super cognizant that um, there are assumptions, and I've been you know going to places and people make an assumption that all I want is Moscato. Oh, I, I, oh yeah, and I'm like. Well, I'm fine with Moscato. Let's let's see your see your list of that. But yeah, there are all kind of conversations about wine and about Moscato, particularly, and black people. Um, I did not I did not know that because, like I say, I, I love Moscato. And the thing is, what I realize about wine, you actually have to find the wine that's right for you. Because now, since I've been drinking wine more frequently. There are some wines that I like that aren't as sweet, but they're still good. I just don't like the bitter, bitter wine. And when you was talking about drink whatever you want, I'm going to tell you right now, Crown crown Apple and Apple Juice is flames, y'all. Ah. That it is flames. Everybody look at me like I'm crazy. No. Take well, Apple stuff. Crown Royal and Apple Juice, I like yes. that. Okay, I have to try that. Yes, because like I said, I, I'm not even a brown liquor person, and that sounds good. Yes, like I said, because I have a sweet tooth, so a lot of times I'll take things that that I like and kind of. Exp- I, I love apple juice, so when it was like Crown Apple, I was like, oh, apple juice would be good. So I, you, you know, use apple juice as a chaser. When I tell you, it is. If you have a sweet tooth, it is flames, y'all. Try it. Yeah, here's the thing too. My my thing is, you know. Black people, I mean, this is another fact that we tend, first of all, we love cognac, yes. um, and we love brown liquor, and I mean, and and we love Moscato. We love sweet cocktails, we love sweet beverages, and we love, so don't run away from it. That's what I said. Let's own it. Let's own everything about our blackness. Yes. <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel about it. Let's own it. If, if Moscato is our thing, and I, I can tell you, I can go to a place and I know when there's a whole bunch of black folks coming in there because they have a massive Moscato dish. Particularly if it's not an Italian restaurant or and it's not like under the dessert. I already know. Um, <laughs> but own it. Let's, let's, let's own everything about black people. Yes. I, That's I, how I feel, feel I, about it. I feel you. I'm here. My last question, and then I'm going to let you go. What is the worst thing you ever cooked or ate? Ooh. The worst thing. Oh, I do a lot of crazy mishap things in my kitchen. People are like, oh, you're such a great cook. The worst thing. Ooh. I tried to make homemade jello, a homemade peach jello for my cookbook, the Up South Cookbook. Tested it three, four times. I bought uh, gelatin, plain gelatin, and pureed the peach juice that I did all kind of stuff it was disgusting I'm like okay so this is why people just buy jello packets because <laughs> it's easier because they've done all it's the work just... and you can't get the flavor you can't it, it's I never could get the intense fruit flavor that people know it was it was disastrous it was very disastrous. I was like, okay, that's a disaster. That's one of the biggest disasters I've had in probably like the last five years. And made it like three times. And it is very time consuming. Because you got to let it set. Mm-hmm. It's like making all these purees. And, oh, God. It was crazy. 
that yeah that sounds like a trip but yeah all i do is boil some water and throw two jello packages in there and i can move on and speaking of jello i saw online where you can have like jello ices and it looked very good they made it like you do regular jello you just add a uh, vanilla vodka and let it freeze and scrape it and you have a uh, grown-up ices oh yeah jello shots that's that's what all the college students drink you didn't know yeah, je- yeah, je- Jello shots. You have to be careful with Jello shots. <laughs> so this is different. Than, this Jello shots is different from Jello ices. What's that? Yes, je- Jello shots is when you Jello shots like regular Jello, regular Jello. Right. But this is you take the Jello and you freeze it, and then you take the ice cream scoop and you scoop it, and it's like an icy. Ah, uh, it's like an ice. It's like an ice format. You know, or like, right? So it's a little different than the shots, you know, because the shots is just regular Jello, but this is like Jello, but almost like to the next level. You know how you get the old school icy? You tell them you want the flavor, and they yeah. pour the flavor across it, except for you pre make it yourself. Interesting. No, I'm good. I'm good with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm good, good with, with that. It's like okay, I'm good. I can't be doing all those artificial flavors. Uh, it gotta be it gotta be it gotta be worth it for me to do an artificial artificial flavor um but that's interesting okay <laughs> oh you know and i understand but and it's one of those things where uh sometimes like you said you're paying for the convenience because i learned the hard way that making uh stuff from scratch is very expensive uh i was like one uh years ago i was like i'm gonna make me a red velvet cake from scratch and i was like yeah i spent like 30 dollars i was like you know what i will never do this again and this is why they charge you 50 dollars for a cake because it's 30 dollars yeah it's 30 dollars in your time and labor i'm good but here's the thing with the jello thing and that's easy though you're making basically making a granita that's what that is. So why just do the Jello? You can just take watermelon, sugar, and juice, and freeze it, and then scrape it with a fork. I mean, that's now that's easy to make. Some things I get. A cake is expensive. Yes, when you're making is. layer cakes, I I get it why people um, either do a box mix or they buy from the grocery store, or buy from somebody else. I always say just buy from somebody else and put some money in somebody else's pocket. Right. But the Jello thing. Yeah, all you need is the fruit and juice and sugar. But uh, my, my 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 dear friend and brother and chef Chef DJ Dennis. I don't know if you follow him online, He's Charleston. He makes granitas all the time with all kind of different juices. It's super simple. Let's uh, see. I see. That's a thing. some things. Some things are simple, and some things are meant to just be bought from somebody else. You the know, jello icy thing is you can make that simple. But see, I a red velvet cake buy from somebody else. Yeah, that's for that's for somebody else to see. You're talking to somebody that wouldn't know that. You also talk to a Jello girl, so I'm like, you say Jello, I'm thinking J E L L O. You know, I've never tried to make it make it any other way. But yeah, I, I I do agree. And if it's simple enough, yeah, that might be something I might try, and actually might be better for you. Right. I mean, here's the thing. And when I say about I can't do, it, I am allergic to literally am allergic to red dye. Oh. Um, I have an allergic reaction to red dye, and I didn't know it for years. So I can't even eat red velvet cake, right? So, but I have a colleague who makes a beet cake, a woman, a black woman from Trinidad, who makes a beet cake that tastes like a red velvet cake. I'll pay her any day for a beet cake if I'm having a hankering for um, 
a red velvet. You wouldn't even know it was the beats, right? Oh. Um, so I came to do red Kool-Aid, all the Jello stuff. That was one of the reasons why I was trying to recreate Jello and remember having Jello growing up at at, ah. at uh, Piccadilly, and I wanted to recreate that with you know whipped whipped cream on top, but do it with natural juices, right? Mm. Um, yeah, so I literally cannot do those artificial flavors. So I have to be very cognizant, even when I'm having mixed drinks and cocktails. Right, because right. Because a lot of times it's artificial flavoring. Some bars are using artificial sweeteners and colorings and what have you. Yes, so they if do. I'm in a place like that, well, I'm unsure. I will just order wine. Right, because um, then you don't have to worry about it. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, so that has. Um, continues to make me think outside of the box and forces me to try different things because of that allergic thing, you know? Oh, and I, and I completely understand that. And also it's one of those things where thank you for sharing that because I don't know who else is listening. They might be allergic too, you know, so this will help them think, uh, do alternatives. Nicole, I want to tell you thank you. Thank you for taking thank the time out of your busy schedule. Uh, uh, most of y'all didn't hear this, but she had to get her baby to her hubby. So I want to <laughs> let you get back to your beautiful baby. And uh, I hope you have a good night. And I thank you so much uh, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to spend with, with me and, and everybody out there in the Black Who Tips podcast land. Oh, thank you for having me. I mean, I'm always, always honored um, to particularly support black media, black people who are doing it on their own, and particularly you guys. You guys have been doing the podcast for quite some time. I mean, it's hard to stay in the podcast game. So, you know, kudos to you guys for for, for staying in the game and for creating um, independent black media. Oh, thank you. And for everybody out there listening, uh Go out and check her book. Check out her book. Go like her on Instagram and wherever she yep. is on social media. Uh, just let her know that uh, the Black Guy Who Tips family loves and supports her. And, and we're here. And, and I just want to tell you, I can't tell you thank you enough because I know you're busy. You're, you're doing all these fabulous things and the best is yet to come. So I'm, I'll keep my eye on you and just keep watching you do these fabulous things in the world. And uh, for everybody out there in the, in the Black Out Who Tips nation, just know if your lips ain't smacking, it ain't good. Bye, everybody.